Oh yeah, welcome to Throwback Hoops episode number 91. I am not Woody V. Instead, I'm your guest host today, Mookie Shirali, doing my best to keep the chair warm for the, the great man. And of course, I'm joined by none other than the man you all know and love, the owner of one of the planet's largest throwback jersey collections, Robbie Clayton. Mooks, how are you, mate? Um, yeah, really been looking forward to do this one. You're already doing a better job than Woody hosting this, so you're a natural in the in the host chair, mate. So yeah. I can I can take his job, and, and when he gets back, he, he's lost. That's his job. right. No, yeah. it's a, it's it's great to have you back on. I know we only had you on. I don't know. I'm going to say a month ago, maybe a little bit more. But yeah, um, yeah you, you must have made a good impression if you're getting a, an invite back within a month, I know. right? Yeah. <laughs> and now now you're in the host chair. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to kick back and just chill for this show, and just get asked some questions. It's good. That's yeah. it. <laughs> nice right so maybe uh rob do you want to uh sh- should i introduce my jersey first or would you like to go with your um yeah you go first and i'll, I'll take it away with the jerseys here what do you what do you got for us today well i'll start off with uh i didn't want to rub this in too much after the your <laughs> uh, your cats uh had a let's say a subpar performance mm. against the kings just the other day which i had a first-hand presence to be able to witness but uh wearing this this nice uh nike jacket from the kings from back around 99 2000 very cool that's almost like a player issue type thing i haven't seen it, one like that it it's is nice. actually and, yeah. Um, yeah it's a rare one that's actually a bit too big on me because it's uh super <laughs> nice. long and uh and big so it was uh i think for one of the bigger players it was yeah got it from from a player issue awesome uh, dispense um and uh underneath i'll uh See, this is this is you know because you guys uh, uh, have all the obscure references and uh, the hard to find players. So I'm, I'm really going to challenge you on this one. I'll be very surprised if you can work out who mm-hmm. this is. So I had to really uh, reach on this to, <laughs> to try for something you might not have seen. I'm intrigued here. Mm. So nothing yet. Any any any? No, ideas? nothing yet. No. no? Uh-huh. Okay. Oh wow! So this is this is uh, this is from my time in the UK when I, li- mm. I lived in London for six years, and this is Great Britain. Any any ideas? Oh, the only ones that are coming to mind are like Luol Deng or like John Amici or. Uh... This, is, this is the first British-born player to be drafted uh, as as high as he was. He was drafted. 30th in 2006 NBA draft. Was he a big guy? Yes. Yeah, I'm picturing the... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank on that one. All right. This is an obscure one. I'm loving this. Ah, uh, Joel Freeland. Yeah, yeah, of course. Portland Trailblazer, right? Yes, indeed. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I did remember that. I was actually thinking... I was going to say it started with a J, but yeah, it's easy yeah, to say now, but that's a, nice, that's a nice jersey, that one. Yeah, that's uh, as, about as obscure as you can get, right? I, I tried my best. It's, yeah, from obviously my uh, Portland Trailblazers fandom, and mm. in those days, that the crossover, I was living in the UK and uh, being a Portland fan, and uh, Joel Freeland, as I mentioned... Um, 6'11", weighed 248 pounds, uh, power forward slash centre. He represented Great Britain uh, and he started out under 18s 
and then he found his way to Spain and mm. played for Gran Canaria. Um, got seen there, and the Trailblazers drafted him 30th in 2006. So, as I said, that was the highest for a British-born player in the history of the draft at that point. And, um, cool. Because uh, Luol Deng was not born in Britain. No, so of course, of course. Uh, yeah. And um, the Blazers encouraged him to stay over there. He played Grand Canaria for a bit while he was, uh, you know, improving his stocks. And 2014, um, he recorded 17 rebounds in a game. And the next year, recorded 16 points, his career high in points. But only a three-year career, 150 games or so. But, um, yeah, three points a game, three rebounds a game. Mate, loving that. That's about as obscure as you can get. Yeah, Great Britain jersey. Um, was that? I'm assuming that was probably even hard to get in in the UK. Was it as yeah, well? It was very hard. I've got yeah. a I've got a Luol Dang, and I've got this one. But uh, it was there was a brief moment where, because of Luol Dang and Ben Gordon, mm. um, the Great Britain basketball team got a popularity. But it was yeah, pretty hard to to find. I was try to find jerseys from every country I'm in if I can. I like that. I like that. No, I'll definitely pay that. Um, it's a, definitely an obscure one and not a name that I've thought about for quite a while. So, well, I might continue that theme, right? Um, yeah. I thought I'd do a double Blazers in honour of yourself today, being a big Portland fan you are. So, um, well, the one hanging over my shoulder, I won't talk too much about that, but um, very uh, recent new one, actually. So, it's a um, Portland uh, Black Nike Josh Hart jersey. So just got this one last year. And I was telling you the other day on this one, Luke, so I think I got this one, uh, let's say on a Tuesday, and on the Friday of that week, he got traded to the Knicks. So literally I had that jersey three days and he got traded. So I was pretty annoyed about that, to be honest. It was a, like a custom order thing from the NBA store. I thought, oh, cool, like, you know, nice obscure one. You're not going to see a lot of Josh Hart jerseys out there. I think regular viewers of the show will know I'm a big fan of that guy. I just love the way he rebounds for someone that's, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, there, yeah. he's an amazing rebounder and quite a handy player. Obviously, we saw him playing for USA in the recent um, World Cup there. And I'm expecting he'll play a pretty big part with the Knicks this year, but yeah, haven't had a chance to wear it yet, given he was only there three days. Were you a fan of uh, Mr. Hart back in the day? Yeah, I like it. And like you say, like it was it was great to see him with USA doing that. He was playing mm. that sort of power forward type role for them. Yeah. And he, um, I mean, it adds to the obscurity of that for you. So it adds to the obscurity of the collection. It's a bit like a Rashid Wallace uh, Atlanta <laughs> jersey. Hey, I've got a better one than that. I've got an Andrew Bynum Philadelphia 76ers jersey. Ooh, so if wow. you remember rightly, he never actually played a game for him. So yeah. I don't even know how I got that jersey or, or why I got it, probably more mm -hmm. importantly, but I've got one in there, so I might pull it out one night. But, um, well, the one I'm wearing, I'll stand up and show you this one first. This is a nice retro one here, Mook, so I know you're going to like this yeah. one. Um, yeah. I'll tell a bit of a story, and it's a little bit of a sad story, but let me um, show what I'm rocking today. And of course, he's wearing the Uncle Cliffy, Uncle Spliffy, Cliff Robinson jersey from the great man back in the day. Uh, That's right. It's a nice one, this one, isn't it? Um, I was actually thinking when doing my research, um, you know, Woody as well, we're big fans of Survivor. So he was someone that made an appearance on yeah. Survivor yeah. maybe around 2015, 2016, I think it was. Yeah. So that was cool to see him. But um, yeah, I'll just talk, I'll talk a little bit about um, Uncle Cliffy. So played 18 seasons in the NBA after getting drafted out of UConn by the Blazers at pick, pick 36 in the 89 draft. So went on to play with Portland, Phoenix, Detroit, Golden State, and New Jersey. 
uh, before retiring in 2007. Um, look, I think he had a great career. You know, averages around 14 points. Um, he won a six-man of the year in 93. Uh, the one lone all-star appearance in 94. Um, two all-defensive teams as well, Luke's, which I thought was a, a pretty good effort there. Um, he's also part of the NBA 50-point club as well. Um, playing for Phoenix, he, he knocked out a 50 playing for them. So, um, unfortunately, as you know, though, not a happy ending here, Luke's. Uh, um, so, Cliff Robinson really suffered some health issues. So, he suffered a stroke firstly in 2017. Um, 2019, he started to undergo treatment for cancer, and then sadly, uh, a year after that, passed away due to um, complications from lymphoma, and obviously the treatment wasn't sort of working for him there. So, really sad story. He was only um, age 53 when he passed, so, so not an old guy at all. But um, look, really, really quality career, wasn't it? Um, I think he's one of those early sort of ones when you thought of someone wearing a headband, you'd think of Cliff Robinson. It was kind of synonymous with the, the look. Um, I think you also see him in some of those videos of Jordan doing the shoulder shrug, right? When exactly when Cliff's right next to him there, but um, that's it. Um, look, he had a lot of great years with Portland, didn't he? Phoenix as well. Um, I don't remember him too much of those sort of final years in Golden State and New Jersey, but yeah, what were your or your memories of the the late Uncle Cliffy? Yeah, uh, uh, he was he was a real all rounder, and mm. you know, as that sixth man, I mean, my Blazers fandom really started back around that ninety one, ninety two. When that starting lineup, Terry Porter, Clyde Drexler, Jerome Kersey, Buck Williams, Kevin Duckworth, yep. it really solidified and they were a great starting lineup. And then Cliff Robinson would come in off the bench and with guys like Danny Ainge or later Rod Strickland and really give that punch off the bench. But he was just that guy that you could rely on, whether whichever of the front court guys needed to come off, Cliff, Cliff Robinson comes on. And yep. he had, you know, the ability to shoot from the outside. It was a bit ahead of his time, being a bit of a. Uh, stretch big and um, very versatile. And uh, yeah, he, he he had a really good run of just improving his stats as seasons went on. I think he had a number of years in a row where his, his stats improved each season. And, yeah. And, uh, I think he actually held the record at one stage, maybe before Dirk passed him for most three-pointers, I think for someone 6'10 or over, and he yeah. had a couple of seasons averaging close to 20 points. So, yeah, rest in peace to the, the, great, the great Uncle Cliffy there. Um, one last thing before you know finishing my jersey part. Um, first thing I thought of when I put that Josh Hart jersey and I sort of looked at Portland at number 11, there was a player that came to mind. Is, are you getting a... A player flashback there. Um, Arvidas? Arvidas it is, yeah. Yeah, so when I saw that, like the first thing, then I realised they've had a lot of number 11s over the last few years. It seems like we'll just, they had um, Ennis Freedom or Ennis Cantor. They had Myers Leonard, Jamal Crawford. They had a guy whose last name rhymed with Rabbit. And then they also had Sergio um, Rodriguez back in the day. So it's been a number that's been passed around a fair bit there. But (laughs) yeah, and obviously, and sorry, Kevin Knox and Larry Nance also wore it for a short time as well, quite recently. So yeah, Kevin Knox, I'm not sure, he's not not still there anymore, is he? Is he bouncing around to another team, I think. Yeah. yeah Might no. end up in the NBL one the way he's going, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, nice. Well no, that's um that's my jersey for the week, mate. Yeah, very nice. I like that. <laughs> that's a that's a great jersey though. For sure. Very nice. Okay. Well now on that same vein, let's talk a bit of NBA. So mm. the NBA season right upon us. We're seeing these, you know, sometimes meaningless preseason games going on, but it's just really eking out a few things, apart from, you know, ignoring the fact we're seeing NBL versus NBA as well in a couple of instances. But the NBA itself is, uh, you know, we're starting to see a few of these rosters come into shape. It's good these preseason games to work out who's going to be playing what positions, who's going to get the starting nod. And as a result, the other exciting thing that comes with that is all the the preseason hoopla of predictions and the sports book comes out. So we've Mm. got the numbers here of, 
who what are the odds are the overs and unders on every team in the league on uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. So both Robbie and I are going to go through and give our predictions on five overs and five unders as to who we think are, have been mis, misrepresented in the... Uh, and we should say as well, we don't know who we're going to pick. I mean, maybe we can give our picks. Maybe we can quickly go through each team as well then, Luke. So rather than just, we can sort of give the five as well. Maybe we can just go through each and say whether we think it's over or under. We won't have, don't have to spend too much time on them. But I don't know about you. I found this quite hard. I felt like they got some of these numbers spot on. There was, um, you know, I'll give, like, example for Atlanta. They pretty much go 41 and 41 every year. They're 41 and a half is their over and under. So I found that, yeah. you know, they got those numbers right. But, um, well, let's get into it. I found my locks pretty hard, but it'll be interesting to see if we actually match with any of these at all. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, so on the overs, I've I've got Cleveland. So Cleveland are given a fifty point five, mm. and uh, that and and I think they'll go over that. They were fifty one and thirty one last season. So right yeah. on that. But just in terms of having the guys like Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, Garland, Mobley in particular on the rise, and then they add a couple of shooters in Georges Niang from Philly, Max Struess from. Miami. Yeah. I think Cleveland should do better than last season by some measure. The only question mark there for me is Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. There seems a bit of friction there. Mm. Any um, thoughts on Cleveland? Well, you might be surprised. I had them as one of my five unders for a lock. <laughs> um, so it just shows you straight away how we're different, right? And it's interesting because I do rate this Cleveland team. I think I said maybe in a few, you know, about a month ago, I expect they could be up there in the East. I just think the East is going to be a lot closer this year. I think we're not going to see a lot of teams really breaking away. We might see Boston and Milwaukee, you know, mid to late 50s. But I think a lot of the teams are going to be sort of mid 40s to that 50 mark there. And look, I'm saying a lock for under. It might mean, in my opinion, that they get, you know, 48 or 49 wins, but it's still an under there. Oh. So isn't that interesting? We both started with, with two differences. There, um, I think my slight concern with Cleveland is maybe back up at the the guard spots there. If someone like Garland was to go down there, obviously Rubio's, you know, not really expected to play. They're not quite sure who else they've got in the backcourt there, but um, they're a talented young team for sure. And you, you're right, they did add some um, some improved shooters in in Niang and, and Max Struess as well. They need those shooters, but yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, my, there is concern at the guard, and yeah, Donovan Mitchell for some reason. I feel like there's there's some little murmurs there, and. Will he, if the season's not going well, start the, the trade rumor mill? Who knows? Yeah. 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 Um, next over I've got is the Bucks. So they're, they're listed at 53.5. They were 58 and 24 last season. Now, mm. well, I'm, it's, it's, it's kind of contrary to the way I normally read things because I normally heavily lean into defense and I feel like mm. the, the defensive presence they have lost will hurt them. But I just don't – I think they will be worse than last season, but I don't think they'll be as bad as five wins worse. I totally agree. Yeah, I had them as one of my locks as well. I think really well said. Yeah, you're right. 58 last year. Um, you know, they might end up with 56, you know, around that sort of mark there. Um, yeah. I think they hopefully have a bit more health than they did last season. Um, Middleton hopefully be more healthy. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a good one there, isn't it? Um, we should say as well, I think the highest and the lowest as well moves from what we saw. So mm. Boston with 54.5 is the highest one there and Washington at 24.5. So yeah. um, when I sort of looked at that, I thought, oh, 54.5, it doesn't sound like a lot, but only two teams went over that the whole of last season. So Boston with 57, Milwaukee with 58. So the highest in the West was Denver with 53. So last year, only two teams over 54.5. So it's not quite as, as high a figure as what you think there, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny how some of these numbers stick out at you and sometimes you just remember the 
the extreme highs and extreme lows too much. Mm, yeah. But it, it is hard to eke out those extra wins or extra losses in the That's NBA. it. Yeah. Uh, the next over I've got is OKC. So this is one of the harder ones for me, but they're, they're listed at 44.5 mm. and they were 40 and 42 last season. I feel like they may just surpass that. The continuing yep. maturity of the core stars they've got there, the likes of Shea, the Josh Giddy, we're expecting much bigger things from him, the way he's been performing. Those two guys during the offseason, the international play, played really well. Um, Lou Dort, all, all, they've got all those that core of guys. The And then you add Chet Hol, Holmgren in. Yeah. It feels, I know there'll be a bit of a, a, cust, a acclimatization period there and them getting accustomed to playing with him. But he's such a talent. If he can stay healthy, that's going to be a big boost. Uh, I was different with this one. I had under for this one, but in my notes, I've got just in capital letters. So, yeah, I was really sort of on the fence with this one. I think if they were to win 44 games, I think that's a really good season, right? You know, yeah. 44 games would have got them in, you know, like fifth or sixth place, you know, last year. So I think they'd be pretty happy with that. That would obviously be an improvement by four games if they were to get it. But, yeah, I think not a, not a bad prediction there. You've got a lot of um, upside on that team. And potentially they've got room to make a trade in the season as well. If they decide to go out and try and get a vet, you know, towards the end of the season, or something that's something they could definitely do so yeah, yeah. that's kind of been part of my thinking i, I feel like they're yep. gonna think it's almost time to swing for the fences They're definitely you can't keep these draft picks forever can you guys you know all these stockpile of draft picks till 2030 i mean why not trade someone look for you know maybe not a superstar but maybe a semi-star guy that's a little bit unhappy during the season and bolster your team so yeah yeah nice nice yeah uh the next over i've got is the jazz so they're, they're listed at 35.5. Uh, oh, we're I'm in with you. Agreement, I'm with we? you. Yep, yeah, we are. Good. Yeah, I mean, they were 37 <laughs> and 45 last season. Yeah. And you look at Larry Markin, and he's playing so well. You add in your good mate, John Collins. Yeah. And um, they are a very big team. You've got big Walker Kessler in there. Mm -hmm. um, there are concerns at guard with Sexton, Clarkson, and Talon Horton uh, Tucker being the, the main contributors there but mm. they are so big and just you know just watching them against new zealand just the struggle oh, yeah. not an nba team but just seeing how big they are up front it's scary. yeah that number really stood out to me when i was doing this exercise i actually yeah. was surprised that it would be a lower prediction than last year you know last yeah. year we saw they start really well and didn't quite finish well but yeah i think um yeah guys like walker kessler will be all the better for it they pretty much got john collins for nothing they've got you know rudy oh. gays training for rudy gays corpse there so i think he'll be in the starting five he could help out there so yeah i think that's a good one there if i actually was a betting man which i'm not really these days that would be one that i definitely would consider some money i mean it wouldn't shock to see utah go what like 41 and 41 right which would be you know nearly five or more than five games over that over and under there so yeah that's absolutely a lock for me as well yeah well said i mean we saw how well they started the season and laurie markland mm. he looked really great during the yep. play as well and yeah he's just he's such a star such for a star sure. yeah um the last over i've got is the wizards so mm. we said yeah listed at 24 and a half and yes, they are one of those teams that look like a bit of a mess and a bit of a dog's breakfast in terms of off-cuts of players. But I just feel like despite, yeah, they lost Beal, they lost Porzingis, but I just feel like this team might come together and just rise together as a unit. They might be one of those surprise teams. They've got Poole, who's come in, Tyus Jones, who's underestimated, Landry Shamit, and Daniel Gafford, I feel like he's ready to step up and do even more. Kuzma's hit that reliable score a part of his middle of his career and then Denny 
Abdija, uh, yeah. saying that incorrectly, I'm sure. He's got potential to come on strong, and I just feel like 24 mm. and a half might be too low for them. Oh, I agree. I thought that was quite low as well. It's interesting, you know, last year we had a few teams that were under that amount, you know, Spurs and Houston were both on 22 wins. Detroit was on 17. So we had three teams with less than 22. But yeah, I, I agree. I think I've got a few guys that are potentially playing for contracts there. I do like what um, Tyus Jones is going to give them. They seem like quite a deep team. Um, probably... You know, hopefully they should mesh pretty well and, and go all right there. I mean, I'm, I don't. I think both of us, Mooks, we're not predicting him to have an amazing season or even push for the playoffs. But you know, they could definitely win twenty-seven games, for example, right? Which would definitely be an over. So yeah, I had them as a lock as well. So it's interesting. We had three, um, three of those five. We had the same. So I think they were Utah, Washington, and uh, Milwaukee. I think we we had all three of those. So Cleveland, um, you had no. So I had Cleveland as an under. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you my two other ones that I, mm. I had that you didn't have for an over. So no shock here. I'm going to put my Homer hat on here and say the Hawks. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, the reason being, right? So the last three years, the Hawks have been pretty much a carbon copy, right? So the last three seasons. Um, they were 41 and they won 41 last year, 43 the year before, 41 the year before that. So I can see why they've done this over and under a 41.5. For me, I think having coach, um, Quinn Schneider there, I think having him from the start of the season in a full training camp is really going to help them. Um, I know it's only preseason. They lost today, but they've looked pretty good so far. Um, Got a, a, a deep team, I think, and that's what, what I've been saying about him for a while. I think we're going to see guys like Sadiq Bay and Jalen Johnson really, um, you know, having really good breakout seasons there and getting extra minutes without John Collins. Um, on Yakura Congo has really worked on his game. They're really high on the, the draft pick, um, Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan as well. So, and great to see Patty on the floor as well, just quietly, even though he's one of 11 in four games, I noticed today. So that actually makes my, um, Thursday night shooting percentages seem good when I say that. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to say the Hawks again. I'm not getting carried carried away with the Hawks, but I wouldn't surprise, be surprised to see him. Let's say, say 44 wins, Mooks, and that would be you know, a couple of games over there. So, um, look, a little bit of a homer call, but maybe not too much there. I, I, I'm, I'm expecting them to, to win more than 50%, and hopefully better than last year when literally the whole year they'd win one, lose one, just for the whole season. So, um, mm. And the other one I had, this might be a bit of a surprise, actually, one that might shock a few people. So it's a team with uh, over and under of 31.5, and that's the Houston Rockets. So mm. I'm predicting them to win more than that. I, th I really like what they've done in the offseason with that team. I mean, it feels like they've really changed the whole team. They brought in Van Vliet. Um, you know, they've brought in some veterans. They've brought in guys like Jock Landale as well to, you know, give them some bigs there. They got rid of Kevin Porter Jr., which is probably a good thing for the, the yeah. locker room and everything else like that. Um, Dylan Brooks, we'll see how he goes. Um yeah. Yeah, not quite sure whether you can re rely on him. He already got ejected in his first game for him. But, um, yeah, 31 and a half. Um, last year, they only won 22. So, look, it's a massive improvement there. And I just think they've got a they've got a good coach um, this year. Um, obviously, getting um, um, Udoka coming over there. So, I think he's, he's a good coach that will sort of go well with a young team there. So, yeah, I'm having them as a lock, which may surprise a few people. Again, it might not be too much over, but I would not be shocked to see them win like 43 or 44. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad Sorry, 33 or 34, I should say. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting yeah. carried away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I actually consider them, and, and I do agree. Mm. I think the likes of Van Fleet and, and Landau coming in um, underestimate. I think Landau's yeah. going to do really well, and, and yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. They're, they will be better, and, yeah, it's one I definitely considered. Nice, nice. All right, we'll see if we agree on any of these unders, right? I'm surprised yeah. that we've got three of those. We've got 30 that's teams to choose from. Yeah, we picked three of the same. And the interesting with the Cleveland one, that was the one that you had as an overlock and I had as an underlock. So we'll yeah. see if we get any more like that. There could be some others, yeah. <laughs> so right on the unders, I have got the Clippers. 
So they're they're listed at forty six and a half. They yep. were forty four and thirty eight last season. Yeah. For me, it's just you never know who's turning up, and mm. there's plenty of competition in the league for wins this year. And yep. I just feel like some of those games are just going to slip away because you never know. You're going to get Kawhi. You're going to get Paul George. It just disrupts the the flow of the team so much when mm. those two key offensive and defensive players sometimes there, sometimes not. Maybe the NBA's policy on resting will come to help them, and and the, the shaming factor will will be the thing to get them over the line. But I just I just don't know. Yeah, look, I didn't have them as a lock, but I do agree. I'm probably expecting to to go a little bit under there. Um, the Kawhi Leonard one. I mean, we were talking fantasy before we started recording tonight. I think nearly every draft I was in, I'd see his name come up there when I had a pick. I'm just like, how? Why would I pick him? Why am no. I going to pick someone that's going to play 52 games a season? It's just, yeah, it's just. Um, I'm not. Sure, I'm never quite sure with Kawhi's Kawhi, uh, Kawhi as well. There, Mooks. Is it like him? Is he a bit soft, or is it like medical stuff? And that I've never quite worked it out. He doesn't seem to have that real hunger and maybe ability to play through pain. I mean. Someone like Russell Westbrook, you could see doing that. So maybe he will have a, a solid year for him. Um, I think there's just a few guys on that team, like Terrence Mann, and a few other guys that we've been sort of waiting to break out for a couple of seasons now, and they just haven't seemed to have done that. Um, not sure if they've got any any currency to be able to get Harden over there. But um, yeah, you're right. What are they? They won 44 last year, and it's 46.5. So yeah, I think under's a, a pretty solid um, prediction for that. Yeah. 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 Next, an, a similar situation. I've got the Grizzlies. So they're mm. listed at 45 and a half. Yep. They won. They won fifty one last season, but mm. the whole Morant distraction and the upheaval that that brings to their season, um, not to mention the loss of talent of having him out and then him having to reintegrate, uh, and you know, even even losing um, losing a guy like their their good Canadian friend who who left for Houston, that, those things can play. Uh, yeah, Marcus Smart comes in. He he fills that role defensively. He's he's an upgrade there. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like that whole distra- your star player being out is is a real mess for the franchise. Did you hear, uh, Mookie? So Jar Moran, his two favourite all time players are Chuck the Rifleman Person um, and also Pistol Pete Maravich. So there is um, apparently his two two favourites. No, I thought I put a bad joke in there, but um, yeah, look, it's a bit of a drop, isn't it, from fifty one last year to you know us saying it's a, a lock for under forty five. But look, it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I'd really like to see Jaron Jackson Jr. take a bit of a step up this year. You know, I know people have been knocking his rebounds there. He needs to do better there. He can't you know, average six rebounds or whatever it is there. Um, Desmond Bain's solid. I think um, he's going to put up some really big numbers, especially with Morant out. But, yeah, I think it, you're relying a lot on Marcus Smart, aren't you? I'm, just, um, I'm unsure how he's going to go going to that new team there. He's just been with Boston so long. It might take a while for him to settle. Um, I would have preferred if they kept Tyus Jones, to be honest. I think there's a lot more upside with him as a point guard. But, yeah, no, pretty pretty solid pick there. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> another one, Philadelphia. So they're listed at 48.5. They won fifty four last season. Yeah, I've got that too, that too. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That 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 whole hardened bombshell is going to explode at some point. That won't yeah. last long. He's mm. he's he's playing good boy to come into camp just because I think he wants to make sure the trade happens. Yeah, so one of two things happens: either he uh, eventually explodes and and doesn't play because of he's not happy, or mm. or he gets traded for. 60 cents in the dollar and and either way there's a lot of upheaval there so yeah they're still a playoff team but they're not a contender for me and and i don't think they will yeah i think they could fall under that 48 and a half yeah well yeah i agree i definitely had them as an under as well it's a little bit of um 
I don't know, there's a few guys getting minutes on that team I'm not sure of. Um, you know, even Tobias Harris at this stage of his career, how much you want to rely on someone like him. And, you know, will MB try and force his way out if things don't go well? And yeah. that could really, you know, like you're saying, who knows? There's a lot of variables to go with this team. But no, I think that's a, a, a pretty good prediction for an under there. Yeah, I think Embiid's reaching that point and he's very mm-hmm. happy to throw people under the bus. We've seen that in the past. So yeah, yeah. he may throw the rest of the team under the bus in the process. <laughs> mm, yeah. uh, next is... Uh, my Portland Trailblazers. Mm. So this is this, this would have been hard for you to do, right? It was, but it's it's, <laughs> it's something I have to accept and, and yeah. move on for the season. It's yeah, this is the reverse Homer bias. Um, <laughs> Twenty eight and a half they're listed at. They won thirty three last season, and obviously uh, there's been a, a big you know we're in we're in the rebuild phase, and uh, yeah. it's going to be rough. You know we're. Scoot Henderson will be amazing in patches. He'll be horrible in others. He'll have eight turnover games. Um, mm. Anthony Simons, I think, is going to be fantastic, and I'm expecting a really big season from him. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Jeremy Grant is, you know, uh, well, I know that Jeremy Grant is not worth the money that he was no, paid, and that was, that was a, an unfortunate thing that was done, I think, because they had to. They thought they were retaining him for the sake of trying to hang on to the relationship with Lillard. Uh, mm. And... DeAndre Aiden, you know, we, we all, I, I'd love to see him resurrect his career there being the man. I just don't know if he has the motor or passion for that yeah. um, or, or the divert or the um, flexibility in, in his abilities. I just don't know that he can. And the other thing is at the guard position that they're, they're stacked. There's a lot of talented guys there. Mm. And, uh, Shaden Sharp, I'm really high on actually. I think I've yeah. pretty much got him in nearly every fantasy team I'm on this year. Someone's got to put up um, some stats for those guys, right? Yeah, I, I think between he and and Anthony Simons that they, they will. Yeah. Um, I, if I was the Blazers and and you know there's talk of it, do they trade Malcolm Brogdon and, and yeah. try to you know get someone who's more on the timeline with what they're doing? Yeah, because yeah, Shane Sharp, fantastic. You've got Matisse Thybulle backing him up. We know Matisse's mm. offensive um, deficiencies. There's there's a lot of question marks. It's going to be a rough season. It's going to be a hard one to watch, and it's all about just the rebuilding project. Hey, refresh my memory there. I just noticed they went one and nine in their last ten games last season. Was that just a straight up tank job to end the season? I can't even really remember there. Or did they have legit injuries? Like I can't really recall. Uh, I don't think it was legit injuries. It was, mm. it was. I think it was a more a matter of you know the, you know they were already you know out of things and um, Lillard you know pretty much talk of him being on the way out. The, the end of the season is always such a mess for me. I don't even re- recall because yeah. every team, there's too many teams tanking. It's kind of all yeah, You never know what to believe, do you, at that time? Yeah. yeah. All right. So who are those five again before we get into mine? So. Uh, I've got one more. So, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yep. So the very overhyped San Antonio Spurs. Mm. So they're 28 and a half and uh, they're listed at and they were... Yep. 22 wins last season. Mm. I just, you know, there's going to be a lot of excitement with Victor Wembanyama coming in, and but yeah. the impact just won't be there. And, and across the squad, it's a very inexperienced squad. There's not enough talent across the board. It's it's a real development season. I feel there's yeah. a lot of guys for the future there, but you know they're going to give him the keys to things at some point, and he's going to make a lot of mistakes, and there'll be a lot of inefficient offenses and all that. He, it, we've seen the exciting highlights and. 
and seeing what he can do defensively. But I think offensively, there'll be a lot of, um, yeah, inefficient stuff will happen. No, it's a decent one. I did consider that one as well. Um, yeah, they should be a little bit more improved, but then also a lot of these teams out West have improved as well. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, Zach Collins and Jeremy Sohan and stuff like that, which, you know, solid players, but they're not quite up to par of some of these guys in the West. So no. interesting. So, all right, so you had, what, Portland, um, San Antonio? Philly, San Antonio, yep. Grizzlies and Clippers. Okay, well, I had yeah, Philly. Yeah. So Philly was the only one who had the same as you. The other one I mentioned when we did the overs, I had Cleveland. So, because I will talk a little bit about that. So, three others that I had there. Um, I'll say the one that everyone's expecting. Um, shout out to my boy, um, Sid, Sydney Sea Kings. Um, of course, that's the Miami Heat. Of course, I'm going to say they're going to go <laughs> under. Um, an absolute lock for me. That was probably my easiest lock for the whole time. So, yeah. 48.5. I reckon they'll be closer to 40 wins than they will to 48 wins. So, I'm going to say considerable lock, um, lock there to go under. Um, I think they've re- they're really worse than last year. I think um, some of their numbers last year. I'm not going to say it was a fluke they got as far as they did because that's that's harsh to say. But I think a few things kind of went their way. Um, lost a lot of their depth. Um, a couple of their you know sort of heat um, you know you know undrafted or low draft pick guys have gone out and got paid there. It's not sure you can rely on guys like Kyle Lowry to sort of lead your team there. Um, Jimmy Butler, we saw his defense really drop off late in the season with a lot on his shoulders there. I don't think that's a huge win-loss prediction there, 48.5. I mean, that's like, what, the third highest, I think, in the East there. Um, yeah. I'll say my usual thing like I did last year for Miami, they'll probably be a playing team. I'll say they'll be like seventh or eighth. But, yeah, that's probably my biggest lock out of all of them there. So I may look silly again, but, you know, I did predict them, did predict them last year to, make, to be in the play, which I was correct, but then they also ended up, you know, going, um, making the finals. So that's my, my first one there. So, um, again, yeah. shout out to you, Sid. I know you'll be probably having a laugh when you listen to this. Um, <laughs> my second one, this is one that was a little bit harder. I wanted to maybe do a bit of a different one here, but I've got the Pelicans. Um, yeah. So Pelicans at 44.5. Um, so last year they went 42 and 40. Um, I don't mind this Pelicans team. It's not like I've got a, any issues with them. I just think, like we said before, I think there's some teams in the West that have improved. I think Phoenix will be better. I quite like what Minnesota, you know, that roster they have there. Um, you know, expecting Denver. I think the Lakers will be better than last year. OKC we've already talked about. So I just think a few teams there. You know, Dallas went six games under 500 last year so we'd be expecting them to improve as well so for me the pelicans i think you've just got some injury concerns with the the big um, man's eye on there um you know valentunas isn't getting any younger on that team as well so they're my my other lock the pelicans um so what i think i've got two more two different ones oh no sorry one more because i had philly as well and i had cleveland so miami and new orleans my last one a team i like so i felt a little bit harsh doing this but um sacramento for me um so yeah 44 and a half um over and under there um last season they won 48 games i think they probably got a few teams by surprise last year to win those 48 games um i think they might be right around that 500 mark that 41 and 41 but Okay. I'm pretty confident with that one, actually, that they will be under. I think, um, you know, guys like Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, they had really good seasons last year. Can they do it again with a little bit more, you know, defensive schemes, you know, to try and stop those guys? I like what Fox does. I like what Son of Arvidas, um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis does there. But apart yeah. from those two, I think there's quite a big drop-off for their third guy. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to say Sacramento. So just to repeat my five there, um, so I had Cleveland, Miami, New Orleans, Philly, and Sacramento. So I think quite a lot of oh, no, three east teams and two west teams i wasn't really you know picking on the the east in particular <laughs> there but um it was quite an interesting exercise to do that wasn't it and like we said you can see why they get these numbers a lot of them seem quite spot on um yeah 
amazing. Was there, if you had to pick one, so say say you had to, you know, bet your car or something like that, I'm not going to say your life or a oh. family member or something, if you had to bet your car on one of these to, you know, the end of the season, I'm going to say Miami, I'm going to say uh, definitely will be under 48 and a half. Who's your absolute lock there? Hmm. It's a tough one. Uh, mm. Probably... Portland being under. Mm, okay. And, and, is this yeah. some reverse psychology thing you're trying to put out there and then, you know? <laughs> it's an acceptance of, yeah, mm. trying to be okay with with the fact that we're going to be in rebuild. But it, <laughs> it is, to be fair, it's something I've been calling for for a while. I think it's um, yeah. it's what Portland needs. And yeah. know, we, we were sitting on the cusp for too long and there's no – the NBA, you can't be there. You, you can't sit there every season. You've got to go swing for the, 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 the boundaries or you just got to – tank and rebuilding. All right, so for any anyone betting out there, so get on Portland to go under and Miami to go under. And if they don't work at the end of the season, you can send your complaints um, directly to Woody and he can deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. it. Exactly. Oh, that was a fun exercise. That was good. Yeah. yeah very good. <laughs> well, switching gears, let's move to a review of round three of NBL action. Mm. You're not going to make me talk about that game we both went to on Sunday, are you? Well, I think we, we probably should. We probably should. I think we really should. Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, firstly, I didn't think it was the, the best quality game. Um, I think you sort of mentioned to me on a message there, the Kings, you know, the Kings were shooting three-pointers like they were golden state that game, except they weren't going in. I've never seen a team shoot so many threes. I just Seven of 40. Yeah, that was just way too many, wasn't it? It felt like they were trying to put Perth away. Um yeah, a few concerns with Perth, if I'm being honest, with my you know beloved Wildcats there. Um, I do think they stuffed up a little bit with this import situation, so I know they didn't have Christian Doolittle in that game. They brought this guy in three days before the season started. I think they personally should have waited just to try and you know get these you know matchups and see how they're going, and then try and get a better need there. So I wouldn't be you know surprised if they consider getting rid of him and getting someone like Cook from Southeast Melbourne, because again, for the second year in a row, our rebounding stinks. So last year they were last in the league in rebounding. This year they're second last behind New Zealand, and there's only you know a couple of small sample size for the for the breakers there. So that was the big thing for me. The the um, interior defense when you've got guys like Pinder and Saar and these sort of guys down low, I don't know why our rebounding is so bad. But, yeah, that was a big thing that stood out for me. Um, I'm not high on Ty Webster, Mooks. Um, he kind of just annoyed me in that game, really. Um, well, you know, Corey you Webster. Four points and five fouls. That's it. Yeah, you have more fouls and points. And oh. the other one, a few people have mentioned this to me in the last few days, is I think probably in general with some of these teams, why do they have to play so many players? Like, yeah, um, you know, true. these teams are playing one to two games a week, right? And they're, they're, they're trotting out yeah, 10 yeah. or 11 players. Like, for me, the Wildcats play Adelaide this week, and we'll talk about that soon. Play eight guys in that game, you know? You don't, you've got one game all weekend, you know? Like, one game, like a social game, like, you know, we play once a week type thing like that. You don't need to run out with 10 or 11 guys. You know, play your starters 30-plus minutes a game and try and roll with it that way. So it's not that long a season. It's a 28-game season, like I said, one to two games a week. So, yeah, that's probably my long little vent on the Wildcats there. But, yeah, what was your take seeing that live? Yeah, I mean, from two sides, one was I've been pleasantly surprised with the Kings, and this was yeah. another example of that. They're still have a lot to do to get where they need to be. And yeah. that, that showed in the 7 of 43 point shooting and they relied mm. on that heavily. But from the Wildcats perspective, yeah, very disappointed in them. But in some ways, I'm not entirely surprised. The, you know, mm. Yeah, the, the Websters are a bit of a, a weak link when it comes to D and rebounding those things. Yeah. Um, you know, Bryce Cotton tries to do his thing, but he's also, he's there to play offense. And 
what he had 22 points, I think. And, he was about the one guy that really turned up, didn't he? I think yeah. he was, they might have had one other guy in double figures, but if Bryce didn't turn up there. But, and look, you know, Wildcats do have a lot of new players on that team, but then again, so do the Kings. And, and the, the thing is for the Kings, they've potentially got their first or second best player to come back soon. I mean, imagine adding DJ Ho to this team, Luke. That's unbelievable, oh. right? Well, that, that's actually a big conundrum. I don't know what they're going to do because that means mm. taking away some minutes from someone or, or more than one person. And, uh, yeah. You know, Will that be, you know, because talking about, you know, the guys who are in that sort of grouping is the likes of Galloway, Tui, Portnoy, Jonah Bolden, and then even Valentine. So all of that two, three, four positions Mm. is where DJ Hogue is, you know, look, it's fantastic in terms of depth if injuries come up, touch wood, but it's it's a big issue in terms of those guys suddenly losing minutes and feeling you know the resentment at mm. that it, it, it always happens in a deep team and it could even perhaps it extends down to the likes of sean bruce you know maybe you yeah. can somehow move one of the other guys to play some more point guard but for example i wouldn't want to see um valentine based on what we've seen of him i would hate to see him playing the the point guard if jalen adams is not on the court but he's mm. he's, he's shown an, an ability to with some fantastic passes but yep. his ball handling leaves a lot to be desired hey shout out to geordie hunter he was just the most dominant oh. player in that game wasn't he he was just Amazing. unbelievable wasn't he both ends of the court so he really impressed me actually he his motor was amazing he was just getting into everything. He, he was stealing a lot of stuff away from those Cats big men who just didn't seem to yeah, want it as much as he was. And once he got a roll on, he was really enthused to jump into everything. And that's two straight home 20-point games from him. He's, mm. uh, he had he had two points on the road in between those two and uh, and two 20-point games. So mm. it's um, looking really good from, from that perspective. And, you know, always saw that in him. He's, he's a smart player. He's athletic. He's very mobile for a big... Um, and he's had some good training, training against lights, uh, the likes of Bogut there. So yeah. he, um, I think um, we can expect to see more of that from him. He's um, he's a good young vocal leader on the team as well. Um, he played fantastically. But for me, I think one thing for uh, the the Kings is, that has been a real benefit is the is Galloway, Tui, their, their athleticism just causing havoc around midcourt. And, and that hurt the Wildcats, the length of those guys and the athleticism. Um, such young guys, the maturity they've got, they don't talk, they just play. Yeah. And and they in there getting steals and getting dunks and getting rebounds. And um, John really was asked in the, the post-game press conference about the rebounding and whether it was a desire thing, whether it was a structural thing or whether they just weren't good enough. And his response actually, I think was pretty spot on. He said, the Kings have got these long athletic guys who managed to just streak in there off the long rebounds. And, mm. and, and that comes down partly to desire, but it also comes down to athleticism and length and, and well said, yeah. done that well. Shout out to, um, of course, the NBL One East as well. It was great to see Alex Tui and Ben Henschel out there. And those back-to-back threes that um, that Alex Tui hit, I think in the third quarter, that really sort of broke the game open, didn't he? He's got a really sweet-looking shot, doesn't he? he knows, um, gets in good positions as well. And when you've got guys like Jalen Adams around you, will make that extra pass there and a smart like you know system they've got in there with the Kings. But, yeah, he's really impressed, hasn't he? I mean, he's um, would you say he's favourite for Rookie of the Year? In fact, Rookie of the Year, I'm never quite sure how that works these days after they change the rules, but he's really been impressive so far. Anyway. He's up there, but it's a it's a mm. tight battle. I mean, yeah. Sar is up there. 
Um, Bobby Clintman, who was my preseason yep. pick for Rookie of the Year, he's looking very good as well. Mm. There's, there's a few guys, who, and it could come down to any of those guys as the season goes on. There's there's a lot of it's it's such a fantastic season, exciting to see all these young guys coming through for sure. Yeah, yeah there was um. And shout out to the sneaky Jesse Wagstaff. There was one play there where I saw after two, he had hit a couple of those threes in a row. And then he, two, he kind of fell to the ground and kind of twisted his, his knee and, and he was up and he was kind of hobbling a bit, but he said he'd keep playing. And the very next play, Wagstaff gave him a really strong push, <laughs> pushed him to the ground and got called the foul for it and then did the, oh, what, what me sort of thing. <laughs> I was waiting for Angus Glover and Jesse Wagstaff to have a flop off on Sunday and see who could be the do the biggest flops there. I don't know. That's a pretty close close race between those two. There, we might call that a tie at this stage. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, like we said, that that game came down to rebounding, and it's a, it's a concern for the for the Cats. But um, yeah, on to the next one. Definitely. Look, maybe before I put up the slides for this next round, I wanted to quickly um, get your thoughts on the Aaron Bain suspension there. Obviously, that came oh. out, I think, um, was it during the Friday night game? Or no, the Saturday game, I think it was. It was um, they were sort of crossing to it live in the game there. So for those that haven't heard yet, you probably would have, but yeah, five-game suspension for Aaron Baines. Pretty damning video got leaked as well of him putting a pretty um, solid um, shove on Coach Ford there in the tunnel there. But what were your thoughts on five games? Um, so... The, the breakdown of the suspension, so there was one game for the kind of the intimidation of the referee on the court, one mm. one game, I believe, for the push and shove on the way through the tunnel um, with with um, Lat May, May on the way through, and then three games for the, the shove situation in the tunnel. Now, yeah. I feel like if all the other stuff hadn't have happened, there's no way you get any suspension for a bit of shoulder barging on the way through with Lat May. That, that yeah. Was, and the on-court stuff, I thought the referee in question did very well to try and step away and, and avoid um, what should have been an additional tech for the way um, Baines was carrying on. And I think yep. if he hadn't have been such a doyen of the Australian basketball scene, he would not have got away with what he did because it was, you know, it was clear disrespect and everyone worldwide pretty much was watching that. So yep. that deserved more punishment at the time. And I know the referee... It was trying to be, you know, good. At, so the three games in the tunnel thing, after seeing the actual footage of what happened, mm. yeah, maybe the three games was lenient. Um, it wasn't a good look. And I think the other thing which wasn't released is the sound from that as well. So apparently Coach Adam Ford was mic'd up. So there obviously would have been, they would have seen that video plus heard. So if he was like making threatening sort of comments as well as pushing him like that, I think that probably would have sealed his fate there as well. So yeah, I was a little bit thinking it was a little bit too high, maybe two to three, but after seeing that, that leaked footage, which I'm not quite sure how that got leaked, but anyway, um, yeah, look, it's it's a shame to see the big banger out for, for this so uh, many games, but yeah, he's um, hopefully will come back and, and learn from this, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and look, the flip side of not having the audio is we don't know. Did Adam Ford say to him, oh, mate, are you exactly. okay? I'm just checking on you. You're right. Or did he say, yeah, you can't touch my players there. We don't yeah. know which way he went to that. And, and, Was he calling him and, Captain Redbeard or something? Who knows? You know, did he try and provoke yeah, exactly. him? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he was found to have had no wrongdoing. So the question mark on that is, well, does Adam Ford, is that his normal ritual? He always stands in the tunnel and thinks before he goes in, or did he mm. wait out there? Because it it appeared like he was waiting there to, to antagonise. And I don't know where um, Baines was coming from either because he sort of had gone in with the rest of the team, but then he'd been somewhere else. And mm. um, 
So, yeah, big, a lot of question marks around it. Um, it's a shame what happened. Um, yeah, a lot to think about, and it really disrupts Brisbane's season. Yeah, no, well said, I agree. Well, I might put these slides up there, Moose. Quite a small round, actually, compared to some of the other rounds. I think there's only about six games here. So I've managed to get these slides up the last few weeks without stuffing it up. Um, all reports from um, India at the moment, and Woody's been saying I've been doing an okay job with that. So hopefully I'll continue wow. that. Um, let's see if good, we can good. find that right now. Um, okay. I can actually find this picture up and I'll put it on there. So, um, yeah, look, as I mentioned, we'll just go through uh, the games very quickly there. So I might just read them out um, quickly there, Mooks, and we can just get a, a quick thought there. So yep. we're starting off on Thursday night, standalone game. We've got Adelaide, who had their first win last year, taking on South East Phoenix. Um, what's your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so Adelaide, I, I was really happy to see them get that win uh, against Illawarra and for uh, Flowers to play as well as he did. Mm. Um, so let's see, you know, I mean, just, just to talk about Flowers for a second, I think he clearly received poor advice on his the people around him, the situation he was in to originally becoming into a, what was promised as a starting point guard role, to yep. think that he could come into a league like this and just, oh, just slot in. It's just an easy thing. Let's have a run and you can develop yourself. It's not a development league. It's um, it's not a cupcake league either. I've heard. <laughs> and right. he, he's, yeah, so it was, it was a disservice to him, this 18 year old to think that. And he clearly came from with the talent that everyone expected. And then to see what he could do last week and the way he played, he looked fantastic. I mean, he's got that. Sure bounce. He's big. Yeah. He's, He's tall um, and can shoot. I didn't realize he could shoot like that. And um, mm. he, he played really well. And so can Adelaide bottle that and uh, and move forward with it? And, Do you and know I if Adelaide DJ's playing in that game as well? Yeah. Well, it's a good question because we just had the news just before going to recording that DJ has indeed signed with Adelaide. Yeah. Look, you'd think he would, wouldn't you? If he's been practicing over there this week, why would he not play in that game? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, well, we might as well talk about the DJ situation because yeah. uh, the, the, from what I can see, the Kings are quite dirty about it and, okay. uh, and understandably so. So to, to lay out the, the process for those that were unaware, um, DJ Vasiljevic asked for uh, his contract to be uh, cut so that he could go and pursue an out clause to go NBA slash Euro opportunities. And he... Uh, managed to get this opportunity on an Exhibit 10 contract with the Washington Wizards, which, you know, was as expected, waived by the Wizards, which ended up being then a G League opportunity. Now, subsequent to that, um, he's come back saying he wanted to play in the NBL and with Adelaide and in his, in the press, um, in the media release today about him joining Adelaide, he said, well, I realized the G League wasn't for me and I, and I kind of agree it's not a great league for him it's a league full of long athletic guys and it's not for a structured player like DJ who mm. you know, I, I've, I'm a big Vasilovic fan always have been and, and so I didn't think that was going to be good for him but the the flip side of this is obviously the Kings had first right of refusal because him coming back he was still under contract with them and they inverted commas did him a favor and trying to help him pursue his career there and um, Chris Pongrass came out publicly said, we did not expect this. Um, so mm. the, the King said, um, we originally amended the contract in good faith and completed the roster with the understanding that DJ would be playing internationally, having him return to the roster at the expense of one of the other players, the roster they built, 
um, just wasn't going to work out. It wasn't going to be in the best instance of them, but they were surprised and disappointed with how this has been handled and another MBL team's role in the process. So this is a kind of a, another situation of mm. Adelaide management not being liked by a lot of people. And um, this is, uh, you know, seems to be a bit of a recurring theme, but they're disappointed with Adelaide's meddling, it seems, in, in this and dragging Vasilovic across. And I will uh, also... Uh, just read out what was said um, by DJ when he first, uh, when he left the NBL to head off to the NBA. Uh, he talked about how much the Kings organization had done so much for him and, and how they provided him with all these great coaches. The game is first opportunity. The Kings organization will forever hold a place in my heart. And if I was to ever return to play in the NBL, there's only one team, the Kings. <laughs> so it's funny. I thought I'd remembered him saying something like that. Yeah, you're right. You put these clients out there; they're there for, for life, right? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? June. So it's amazing. Yeah, and changing. Wow. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Well, yeah. Look, I mean, I've made a pretty common. I, I don't really probably share your love for, for DJ, um, but look, he's obviously, you know, he's a, he's a solid, probably more than a solid player. I think he's going to help this 36ers team there. I'm not he quite will. sure if it's the player they needed there. Um, potentially, they needed a bit more of an inside presence there, but maybe they'll just try and shoot teams off the floor now and, you know, have guys like him and Flowers bombing away. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll have to look up when um, Adelaide are playing Sydney next. That could be, um, could be yeah. quite an interesting game there. So, it would be fantastic. Yeah. It would be great to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I'm excited to see mm. him back from that perspective. Will he fit? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They'd be probably better going after a guy like Cook if, if they could have grabbed mm. him. But either way, um, yeah, good to see him back in the league. But, um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him make an, an NBA bid, but wasn't to be right. Yeah. I think teams are going to be lining up for this Cook guy once um once yeah. Alvin Williams comes back from the Phoenix. There'll be a few few teams after him. So yeah, well, all right, we'll go. To just the, the one game on Friday night as well. So we're not getting that standard nine thirty on the the East Coast Wildcats game. So the only game on Friday is Illawarra hosting Melbourne. So mm. look, Illawarra is no doubt they've been a bit of a disappointing team, and, and Melbourne had a really solid weekend. Um. Didn't really talk about them, but they went two and zero, the same as the Kings did there, looking very good. So. I'd say the misery might can uh, continue for Illawarra and Melbourne could run out pretty comfortable winners in this one. Yeah, agreed. I mean, after Illawarra lost to Adelaide, giving them that unexpected win and then lose and also losing by 30 to Tassie, including that 31 to 10 second quarter they had against the Jack Jumpers, uh, it's um yeah, it's it's going to be tough for them. Uh, Melbourne, we know they're super talented, fantastic defensively. They they're right at the the top of the pops when it comes to D. Um, obviously, yeah. a big concern for Melbourne. Mentioning um, Matthew Delvadova with the, you know, that, that yes. it was not a good look. The, the way his head got clashed to the court, um, the unfortunate impact with Sam McDaniel's leg, and you know, we feel for Delhi after all he's been through. And it's just amazing how uh, someone's head can be a magnet for hits like that. Poor guy. It was. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it? Such a tough bugger, isn't he? Yeah. yeah he is. no, hopefully he's he's all right there. Oh, well, the next game is a double header Saturday, and the Southeast are back in action. So they've got a game on Thursday night, and then Saturday in the early game. So pretty um, heavy schedule for them. So they're hosting Brisbane. Um, Brisbane's one game for the weekend. So look, I think um, I think Southeast should probably get the get the, the win in this one there. Um, yeah, they should. We'll see I'm, how they go in that Thursday. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to call an upset. I'm going to call Brisbane getting Ooh, nice. just, yep. just on the back of the, the double header for South East. And I just feel like Brisbane need to rally around and you know, this could be their upset win. Yeah. All right. Well, then this is probably a big game for the Wildcats here, isn't it? They're just mm. the one game this weekend. So Adelaide hosting the Wildcats, eight o'clock, um, 
Saturday night, of course, um, Sydney time we're talking there. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm sure DJ, if he's not available for that Thursday game, he'll definitely be playing for this one against his old mates, the Wildcats there, who he's had yeah. some interesting um, you know, some games and comments of them in the past there. Um, look, this feels like a must-win for the Wildcats, doesn't it? I think, um, you know, to, to drop both of those two, it showed you how competitive this league is. I, you know, the Wildcats went from third or fourth to eighth on the ladder there. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a few teams that haven't quite played a lot of games yet, but look, I'd say Perth will, will get up for this game and they, they, will, um, they will find some form again there, I think. This will be their resurgence for sure. But, I mean, could it be a, a worse thing in terms of uh, a team that's on a high Adelaide and a team that's on a low in Perth? But we know Perth 100%. Back and, and Bryce Cotton's not going to allow that to happen. He he, he looked pretty filthy after yeah. after the Kings loss. He did. And what a cracking double header we've got on Sunday. I'm not sure if you're going out to the, the Kings game. I'm assuming you probably will be, but... You are, of course. Nice. Well, we'll start off with the first game. So we've got Melbourne hosting New Zealand. So New Zealand will be back from the, the NBA games. As we mentioned, I think earlier they played Utah today. It didn't go too bad. Um, probably the, the closest game, I think, maybe out of those NBA games so far. They had a terrible start and then a good run in the middle of the game to get it That's back. right. The second half, they were solid, weren't they? Yeah. So, um, look, it's hard to go past Melbourne at the moment. Obviously, um, you know, New Zealand's got a bit of a long road trip coming back. They might be a little bit fatigued from that, you know, time differences and body clocks and that. So I'd say Melbourne. Will, will win this one and, and really sort of, you know, um, consolidate the, you know, spot at the top of the table there just with the one loss there. Um, any any differences of opinion on that one? Or? I 100% agree with your assessment. And what about this last game, Kings and Jack Jumpers? I mean, this probably is the game of the round, isn't it? Um, you know, Tasmania's in great form there. Sydney's really, you know, fitting well with this team there. What's your, give me, give me a quick take on this game. Yeah, look, I, I, this is going to be fantastic. Milton Doyle um, and... Mm. Uh, I, I think the, the Kings are going to throw all these athletic bodies at him to try and shut him down. That's going to be interesting. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. is, is unshakable, it seems, and you know, he's such a, a star. Uh, yeah. I, he, speaking of betting, he was the guy I managed to get 34 to 1 odds at the start of the season for him for MVP. So wow. I'm very happy with that. And nice. he he's, you know, at the moment, he's potentially the favourite for MVP. And, uh, Playing yeah. really well. Um, then you think about Jordan Crawford has been phenomenal as well. He's been a real upstart, just so much impact. Mm. So Jalen Adams, the battle of those two is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be kind of a you know Adams versus Crawford, and then and then Milton Doyle versus a, a cavalcade of players being thrown at him. And yeah. it just comes down to the consistency of the JJs and that system they've got, the discipline that they show versus the Kings with that running gun style and if the kings go seven of 40 from deep they're not going to get the same leniency on the, the board as what the cats gave them so yeah um it's going to be a great game nice well looking forward to this round yeah big round of nbl action but um nice well i think you've got a bit of a surprise for us to, to finish off the show if i'm not mistaken right well indeed yeah look you get, you get a wrap for us yeah. right or no yeah, I was going to play cricket for you. No, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'll leave the, the wrapping to Woody because I'll nice. only make a fool of myself. But it is classic packs time. Oof. And, uh, you know, it's always one of my favourite parts of the show. And uh, <laughs> being a, a fan of classic packs myself. And look, I have to shout out to uh, Sports Card World in Rundle Mall in Adelaide. Whenever nice. I get down to Adelaide, I try to drop in there. They have... A great range. It's hard to find shops like that in this day and age with mm. basketball cars like that. And you know, last time I was there, I packed, picked up a 
a wide range of different uh, nice, classic nice. packs. And uh, and today for you, for your viewing pleasure, I have uh, what these were kind of my first ones that I really bought a lot of packs of. Yeah, yeah. Ninety-one, ninety-two. So I haven't done this for a few cool. weeks, so hopefully I'm not too rusty. But yeah. Looking forward oh, to doing this. I think it's like riding a bike for you. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> you're such a pro at this, mate. And let's let's see how we go. I'll try and try and do us proud. Right. So, first one. So I'm going to have to, given how how good you are at this, I'm going to try and pick some clues that you know are not so obvious. But so let's start with this guy's a bit of a power broker in the NBA these days. Um, he was a great player on both ends of the court particularly on defense. And these days he's, he's a bit of a power broker um, in the head office realm. Um, originally attended college at McNeese. Joe Dumas? Very good. Yeah, nice. nice. Very good. Yeah, I remember this set. That's a nice looking yeah, card. These cool. are great cards. <laughs> uh, this one, we've got an all-star card here from Ooh. the all-star weekend in Charlotte. Uh, is an Eastern Conference Ford who was um, really a round mound of... <laughs> Sir Charles. Sir Charles Wade. Straight out of Auburn. Nice. Ooh, yeah, nice looking card. Yeah, very nice. Now, this one is... Well, we've got some a couple of really good players so far. This is another absolute star. And I'll give you a clue that... His jersey is is one of the ones there, and I can't. You can't see those jerseys, but you can work out from colours. You might have an mm -hmm. idea. He's a guard who uh, from uh, Spokane, Washington. Ooh, John Stockton. Yes. So we've got another green oh, teamer there. It's hoping we can see his tight shorts in that one, but it's not. <laughs> Jeez, that's a pretty good start, isn't it? Three, like you know, three really quality good. players there. Yeah. We're forming a, a starting five. We're doing pretty well. <laughs> mm. Right now, wow. It continues. So, uh, this this player, one clue I'll give is that um, on the card the year prior to this, his name was different. Oh, so, it's got to be Hakeem Olajuwon, right? Very good. Wow, what a pack. Look at this. We've got Jeez. some stars NBA everywhere. Top 50 players. Mm. Now... Oh, well, this one. It runs over, is it? No, no. It's an all-star no. card. JD again. Oh, wow. <laughs> Double Joe Dumas pack. Wow. <laughs> right. Now we go to another guy who, not, not as much of a star, had a, had, a lot of, um, had a lot of kudos coming out of college, also went into the head office realm, became a bit of a power broker in the head office realm, uh, was the number two pick in the 1989 NBA draft. Dookie. Uh, oh, Bobby Hurley. No. no. Uh, Grant Hill? No. He, uh, oh, does everybody, does everybody hate him? He's drafted by the... Well, that doesn't. that's a lot of Dookies. That's he's true. Draft, drafted by the Clippers. Oh, uh, Elton Brand. Yeah. No, no. No. So well 91-92 before Elton Brand signed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, that's a curveball. He's drafted mm -hmm. by the Clippers. Didn't didn't go to the Clippers. Ah, oh, could you get on him if you wanted to go from Sydney to like Taronga Zoo or something like that? Or Danny <laughs> Ferry. Yeah. Very nice. Good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. This one. Um, 
Oh, what clue can I give here? This one um, could could call him the Colonel. Um, he is uh, a bit of a bruising sort of. Well, he's a small forward for the Indiana Pacers. Mike Best Sanders. Guy. Very good. Very good. Nice. Don't know what his real nickname was. <laughs> like um, his old Pacers jerseys there too. Yeah, they're fantastic. Those block letters. Right. This this one is uh, one of the. Uh, well, not not insert, but one of the additional cards they had in this series. So it's a it's a non-player card. It's a stay in school, and uh, mm. all I'll say is that um, get your wife, get my wife's name out of your effing mouth. Oh, it's a Will Smith one. Wow, very How cool. Nineties is that? Yeah, geez, I remember those ones back in the day. Wow, stay. In, what's on the back of that card? Stay in school. Oh yeah, wow, very cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Right now we've got it. We've got another star. This is a big man. Um, tended Notre Dame, third round pick. So that gives his vintage. He was picked in the same year I was born. <laughs> um, he was drafted by Cleveland. Did play one and a half seasons with them before then spending the rest of his career with one team. Center. In this particular card, he's wearing a face mask, which he, ha he did have for a little while because he had a bit of a rough, bruising style about him. Not Hot Rod Williams? No, this guy's won a couple of championships as a starting center. Starting center. Known for his defensive tough sometimes people would say dirty play six foot eleven 260 pounds born in boston bad boy what number 40. oh bill lane beer of course he yeah, started with yeah. cleveland yeah that's the clue on that one yeah nice yeah. that threw me there the cleveland yeah i always forgot yeah. about that yeah I'm no good go clues with you no i'm liking the clues well. mate you're already way better than woody at this shout out to you woods <laughs> yeah now this guy Hell of a shooter, went on to a post-playing um, career with uh, TV. Um, Dennis Scott? Oh, too quick. Nice. 3D. I've got that, got that jersey in the cupboard as well. Jeez, he's stacked on the, the kilos yeah. in that picture too, hasn't he? Beautiful. Oh, great <laughs> yeah. shooter. Great Beautiful shooter. Beautiful jersey, that one. Beautiful yeah. jersey. Wow, this, this is a star-studded pack. Now, we've got <laughs> a, another all-star here. Wow. And uh, this guy was a really good defender, guard for Milwaukee. Alvin Robertson? Very good. Oh, so I was a big fan of him. Yeah, he was he was a great yeah, defender, wasn't great he? Yeah. 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 You picture those old Bucks yeah. uniforms, you know, it was actually the, the animated kind of Buck thing on there. I quite like those ones like yes. back in the day. There. Yeah, yeah. You can see it there. And, yeah, that's and the one. That's it. Yeah. yeah, they were great. Unsurprisingly, cool. his all-star game numbers are pretty light on. He never yeah, got, didn't get a lot of opportunities there, game. did he? Got a few assists in one of the games, yeah. <laughs> yeah, playing behind the likes of Michael Jordan and Mark mm, Price. That's it. All right, this one, a uh, bit of a tough one. This guy is a, a Spurs guy. Once again, he was the number two pick first round in the 1979 NBA draft by Chicago. Played six seasons with Chicago before moving to San Antonio. Uh, he is a 6'9". He's a small forward. 
started out as a bit of a scorer in those early years with Chicago, then really dropped off. UCLA product, played four, four years at UCLA, was a real scorer in college, um, really efficient scorer. What number was he? Number 33 for the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, not, not Greg Anderson. Anderson. Not uh, Not Greg Anderson. No. No. Lesser known than him. I mean, never on my radar. First name David. Um, like Cortez. Corzine. David Greenwood. Oh, David Greenwood. Yeah, I do remember him vaguely now. Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have probably got that one. Yeah, yeah. that's the first yeah. probably real no name in this pack. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he was a, another number two pick in the draft. Oh, but, right, this guy, another one of these guys with that fantastic Pacers jersey. He was a reserve point guard on those really good early 90s Pacers teams. Haywood Workman? No. Vern Fleming? Slightly before. Vern Fleming. I think he was just before nice. Haywood. Yeah. yeah, he was a solid player, Vern Fleming, wasn't he? Yeah, solid. He yeah. was with the Pacers for a long time, averaging about 14 points a game mm. every season. He was kind of there, I think, before Mark Jackson came along eventually and took up that point guard role. True, true. Yeah. Oh, and look, we've got another one. Oh, wow. Two Will Smith <laughs> same schools and two Joe Dumas. He's wow. really, yeah. <laughs> and finally, mm. one last. No Hawks or Blazers, I noticed so far. So No, none. Mm. None, no checklist either. Mm. So this guy is a was a really solid um, swing man, shooting guard slash small forward, um, starting role. But he's best known as being a bit of a foil for the goat. Um. He's six seven, uh, third round pick in nineteen eighty three. Started out with Houston and then played. With Cleveland, I think exclusively. I don't know if he ended up anywhere else after that. So think about who was at shooting guard for Cleveland in those early to mid nineties. Um, oh, Craig Elo. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, Former Atlanta Hawk as well. There, Craig yes, Elo. Sure, of course. Yes, nice, yeah, nice. He went to went to Atlanta after that. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that was, was yeah. Hell of a pack. Some great clues there, Mooks. I appreciate you you bringing the card out of your person, the pack out of your personal collection. And yeah, some great yeah. clues there. So we um, Woody's job could be in jeopardy, honestly. Yeah, he's um, <laughs> he's on thin ice when he comes back. I tell you, he's got to get some better oh. clues out there for me. But what that, a pack, though. Jeez, that was that was. I mean, some, I mean apart from David like, Greenwood, it was pretty much all name players. There, a couple of Will Smith yeah. ones, which is a bit random. But yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> all the famous there. Whenever yeah. I open a pack, I always try to create a starting five out of it and mm. a hard task on that one. That would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, very good. Enjoy doing that, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. It was good fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So um now sort of head, wrapping things up, did, did we we didn't have any corrections from last week, did we? So no, we didn't. I think we did all right there. Um, shout out to Nathan from the Sports Blokes. Really appreciate him coming on there. But um, I might do a bit of a quick tease as well. We've got the the other half of the Sports Blokes, um, Stu, coming on next week. Um, I'm actually going to reverse the Classic Packs thing, and I'm actually going to be testing him out. So I'll see if I can get some good clues out. I know he loves the Classic Packs. I know we did a little bit of this at Woody's party where we're sort of, you know, going through random players. So looking forward to get Stu on there. But uh, uh, Fantastic knowledge. Yeah, so, well... Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's been a pleasure and an honour for me to be part of this. So 
please subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to it and or listen to your podcasts. And uh, now, Robbie, maybe you can just tell us where we can find throwback hoops on the rest of the uh, social media sphere. Uh, absolutely, mate. So, look, we can be followed on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Throwbacks Hoops. Um, on Instagram, we're throwback.hoops. Um, of course, our email address is throwbackhoopspodcast at gmail.com. Um, had a couple of emails come in recently, people with jersey requests and, you know, asking if we've got this player and that player. So keep those coming. Um, someone also told me I haven't rocked an NBL jersey for a while, so maybe Whoa. next week I might have to get a random NBL one out of that cupboard behind me and, and maybe do that. But, um, yeah, thanks. So obviously for everyone you know everyone's support there um, we're also on Patreon there um, you know if you could pledge a couple of dollars a month it would really help us with the production um, all the associated expenses with maintaining this podcast um, and might throw it back to you as well there Mookie I know we did do this when you were on, on the show last time but where can people sort of follow you and listen to you um, what are your yeah. details there uh, probably the best one is on Twitter at, at a stern warning uh, you can find me online at a st- on, at astonewarning.com where uh, I hope to p- put a bit more content out, which I haven't done for some years, but I'm looking to, you know, the enthusiasm I've got for the basketball scene, particularly the NBL at the moment, I'm looking to put some content out again. So astonewarning.com or mookie, which is M-O-O-K dot I-E. Nice. And mate, I've got to say, it's just been an absolute pleasure having you on this. I know I gave you the tough task there. You know, we've had Jacinta and Nathan the last few weeks and I've kind of hosted it this, this week. I've said, hey, do you want to host it and do all these things there? And I thought you did an, an amazing job there. And yeah, really enjoyed going through those NBA over and unders there. Um, maybe we'll keep a little bit of a record that and we can, you know, look back um, at the, the, some of those predictions later in the season, see how well or how badly we went with some of those. But don't forget for those playing at home, um, my lock was Miami to go under, your lock was Portland to go under. So if anyone's um, keen for a bet, get on those. But uh, Good stuff, mate. Gamble responsibly. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And uh, everyone at home, uh, stay safe and stay awesome. (laughs) Appreciate it, Mooks. Peace out, everyone. See you, Woods.